Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Okay, we've got a special guest here today that's going to be speaking in, instead of a regular prophecy update. I might as well say this to the folks online because they're the ones that bought it. I got a new bandana on with Christ on it, and I wore that specially for Resurrection Day, and that's from Donna and Joanne and Chuck and Rich and Kenny and Diane and Brenda and Glory and Sean and Jamie and all the rest at Pal Talk. So we want to thank them for the uh, bandana they sent. And... Then uh, we also want to say really quickly a prayer of thanks for uh, how the Lord dealt with Susie and her son in the past week. They've had a, a kind of a problem that uh, was resolved by him, and she's very grateful the way that turned out. So uh, she asked for praises for that. And we have other prayer requests that we mentioned on Thursday, which we'll uh, just add in with those right now. We'll say a quick prayer and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to meet in your presence and to uh, bring glory to you through uh, preaching of your word and understanding of what it says and of the fact that Christ went into the grave and died for our sins. He died on the cross of Calvary, paying the sin debt for all mankind, giving up his perfect life in exchange for what we've done wrong. And then he, uh, he was in the grave, but he rose again by the power of God, proving that he was without sin and proving that he has taken away our sins through that act. And we thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you for what you've done in Christ our Lord, and we thank you for what this day represents in our lives. So, Lord, we just uh, commit this service to you, asking that it would be uh, acceptable to you. And from there, we just want to give you all the glory that you're due in the year ahead knowing that we are undeserving of your grace, but you've given it to us because of your great love for mankind. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we exalt you, and we do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, as I said, we got uh, Usama Dokdok. He's uh, going to open us today. He's going to be our uh, uh, speaker for the first about an hour and 20 minutes. And uh, so come on up, Usama. We'll just get you started right away, and I'll get out of your way. Thank Good you. to have you here, brother. Same here. Same All right. Here. And good morning to all of you and those who are watching us through the internet. Uh, talking about uh, that wonderful hymn we just sang, 167. We're talking about Bethlehem. We're talking about the birth of Jesus. But we also talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. Because I believe Muslims believe in the birth of Jesus, but they believe in nothing else about our Lord and our Savior. Uh, if you talk to any Muslim today, they will repeat the uh, broken record. We believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. And if you ask, why do you believe in that? Even though that is not logical, because Muslims always tell us they only believe in what is logical. And what is logical about a young uh, virgin girl to have a baby? Nothing. And then when you ask them, why you really believe in it? It's just not because logical is not logical, because the Quran said so. Because there's so much written in the Quran, which is not logical at all in any, in any way or any form, but Muslims believe in it because Allah said so. And if you investigate even that claim of the birth of Jesus and how they believe that Allah said in the Quran that Jesus was born from Virgin Mary, you find there are two different chapters in the Quran. Quran chapter 3, Al-Amran, and Quran chapter 19, the book of Mary. And these two stories not only contradict what is written in the Bible, but it actually contradict each other. So not only the Quran is not accurate with what we believe, the biblical beliefs, 
prophecies of the of Old Testament or fulfillment of the New Testament, but the Quran contradicts the Quran. I encourage you to go to these two passages in the Quran, chapter 3 and chapter 19, to read about the birth of Jesus. And you find that completely different contradictory stories. And not only Muslims do not believe about the birth of Jesus, uh, to be accurate as we do, they don't believe in anything about Jesus, including his name. For the name Yeshua in the Arabic language, which is the translation for the word Yeshua in the Hebrew language, does not exist in the Quran. As Muhammad changed that name from Yeshua to Isa. Not Isu, the brother of Jacob, but Isa. A brand new name made up by Muhammad, a name without any meaning. Why did he do that? Because he does not want to go with what we just saying in 167. If the name of Jesus is Yeshua, which is the Hebrew Yeshua, that means he will be what? A savior. For the scripture said, and you shall name him Yeshua, Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus did not come in this earth to perform some miracles and gather some followers and just leave. No, he came to die. And he must be buried, and he also rose from the dead. That is because the scripture said so. What scripture? Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John? No. The Old Testament prophecy, that which is written for hundreds of years before Christ came in the flesh. And today I would like to spend the next hour or so, whatever time we have, hour, 10 minutes, to talk about lies in the textbooks. If you remember last time I was here, and I believe we have record of it, it's recorded, uh, we talked about the first lies, which is concerning Israel. And how amazingly, now we're brainwashing our children in our public schools in America with our tax money in America to make them believe that Israel are bad people. They're invaders. They're killing right and left of the poor Palestinian women and children. As we see in the videos, it was all fake news, lies. The people were alive. They covered them with white blanket to make them look like they're dead. They were moving living people and that is the propaganda of islam jewish people do not kill palestinians jewish people are defending themselves and it is very justifiable war as you even see that in my new book which is just came out this is a quick advertising exposing the truth <laughs> about jihad exposing the truth about jihad and that's volume one holy war in the bible Holy War in the Bible. Volume 2 is going to come up sometime in the end of the year, if not next year, Unholy War in the Quran. When you read that book, you'll find that there is justifiable killing. There is holy war in the Bible. And that holy war started by God Almighty himself in one of these chapters that talk about jihad by water, the flood. Jihad by fire, the Sodom and Gomorrah. And there are so many jihad in the Bible. Holy war, justifiable killing. The greatest of all is the final chapter, or the last few chapters in this book, when I talk about jihad in the New Testament. As we see, God Almighty performed the final jihad, the holy jihad. How? He killed his own son instead of you and I. And that is exactly what we celebrate today. Uh, to end this advertising, this book is very reasonable price. I will sell it to you today for five cents. Five cents. I have to sign it for $19.95. <laughs> now let's move on to lies in the textbooks. We have 15 lies. This is number four. And I hope and I pray that next time I come to town here, we have longer time so we can really finish these lies because I have other presentations I would like to share with you as well. Lies about Jesus. You have to understand now, the lies we're talking about here in the textbooks will not continue to be that way. It will evolve. 
as they lied at our, to, our, to, our, to your generation uh, 40 years ago or so, and they talk about evolution. They did not have any evidence of evolution, but they spread it as a series. And because it was a series, no big deal. People can say whatever you want. It's my theory. And behold, the evolution in our textbooks, in our public schools, evolved. Not because they have any evidence, it's just because they have the statement which we shared in the beginning of our study last time, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people eventually will come to believe it, to come to believe it. And that's exactly what's happening. They start right now with small lies about Jesus in our textbooks. And soon that lies will grow, as I'm going to share with you just one example, if we have time, as we continue in our study. Here's what is written, as we have done before. We give you the name of the textbook, the uh, the uh, the uh, publisher, and the year, and the page number. So we're not making this up. This is what our children are learning in our public schools in America. And let's, once again, let me tell you why. Because the church in America, and the church in the West, is in a coma. We should never allow any person to teach our children about Jesus except godly Christian conservative people. You mean in all the Christians who live in America, there's not one person can write five pages about Jesus in our textbooks? No, there's plenty, but they choose not to have Billy Graham or Frank Graham or some Christian godly man or godly woman to write about Jesus. They got the liberals. They got the Muslims to teach our children in our textbooks about Jesus. Hello? Why can't they make me teach about Islam in our public schools? I love it how liberals say, well, I don't believe you, Brother Islam. I like to hear the truth from the mouth of those who believe in it. If I want to learn about Islam, I get a Muslim imam to teach me about Islam. I don't want to hear it from you. I said, so why you bring the Muslim and the liberals and the atheists who do not believe in Jesus to teach me about Jesus or teach my children about Jesus? Here's the first lie for today. According to the New Testament, Jesus of Nazareth was born around 6 to 4 BC. According to Jesus' followers, he rose from the dead. According. What's wrong with that word, according? Why can't we read the same word according when we talk about Allah or Muhammad or the Quran or Islam? No according there. It's facts. As we're going to see that in the future if we do another study to continue with these lies. But when it comes to Christianity, it's according. Maybe yes, maybe no, but exactly I don't know. Why does make our children? Remember, we're talking to 15, 16 years old kids. What does make them believe? It's true. No. It's just according. That's why I hear today from our youth as we travel all over this country and Canada. That's your opinion, people will tell me. That's my opinion. That's your philosophy. I was doing a TV show in Mississippi two weeks ago, and the lady said, according to your philosophy, you believe Muslims do this. Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, there's no according. There's no philosophy. Allah's word said so. Muhammad said so. Islam teach so. Not according to my philosophy. So according to your philosophy, you Christian people, here's the truth. Jesus was born 4 B.C., 6 to 4 B.C., and Jesus' followers believe he rose from the dead. Was he really born on that age? Yeah. Did he rose from the dead? Yeah. But now we are causing our children to doubt these facts simply by inserting the word According, and I challenge Jews who defend the textbooks to show me one time, not twice or three times, one time where the Muslim used the word according when they talked about the things of Islam. The phrasing of the quote qualifies the veracity of the Bible because the adverb according appears to dismiss the authority of the Bible. 
In fact, the Bible is at least 2,000 years older than the Quran, and prophecies regarding the coming of Christ were written at least 1,500 years before the birth of Christ. My friends, as I said earlier, I repeat again, the truth about Christianity is not just in the pages of the New Testament or the written history by those who love Jesus and those who hate Jesus in the New Testament, but it is what is written in the scriptures, the Old Testament prophecies. And that is a great, powerful message. I, when I share Christ with Muslims, as we always do when we meet with them, I just met with a gentleman a few weeks ago in, uh, in uh, Louisiana, and I said to him, here's what we Christians believe. And I took him to the Old Testament. And he said, wait a minute, why are you quoting Isaiah? Why are you quoting David? I said, because that's the foundation of our Christianity. And that's when you get really shocked. Talk to Muslims about Jesus from the Old Testament. Because they do, they do not know that. And they will be shocked about the accuracy and the beautiful word of God. How it was written hundreds, but even thousands of years before Christ came in the flesh. And it was all fulfilled. Here's another life from another textbook, 2005. On page 384, we read. During the era of Roman control, a Jewish man named Jesus taught that faith and love were more important than Judaism's many laws. Can you imagine that? That is what the textbooks, and you know what? You can claim whatever you want to claim about Jesus and about Christianity, but please, can you find me the support for it? Which means what? As it is written in the book of Matthew, as it is written in the book of Isaiah, as it is written someplace. But they just push this lie, throw this lies to our children's throat, and they make them believe in it, and you have to answer it. Remember now, these are textbooks. They have to study this material. They have to memorize it. They have to put it in the answer sheet so they can pass the test. Otherwise, guess what? They're going to fail the test. So not only do they have to hear it, they have to believe it and to put it in the textbooks. Jesus said, faith and love is more important than the Old Testament, the Jewish laws. What if I open the Bible and I read to you right now the opposite of that? Jesus said the opposite of that. Not only, you see, you can take a verse in the Bible and you can twist it a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left, to the left and go on with it to twist the facts. But what if I tell you that statement here is going down south. I'm going to show you what Jesus taught is going up north. The opposite. It's not a little bit twist. It is actually the opposite as we will see as we continue in our study. Here is the response summary. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Hello? Are we speaking English here? Yeah. <laughs> they give me a lie, no support, and here's the truth, the quick answer. Jesus did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. I love it how the liberals in America, especially liberal churches, who bring the Muslims, always like to talk about love. We love our Muslim neighbors. Yeah. The Bible teaches love our neighbors. The signs they carry in front of my buildings when I go speak of its school or library or some places. And they carry the sign proudly. I said, well, can you finish the verse? The Bible said, love your neighbors. And he stopped there. But he said, as yourself. Talking about taking a verse out of context or cutting the verse to two pieces to destroy the whole and purpose, uh, entire purpose of the verse. 
Are you a Christian? Yeah. Do you love your neighbor as you love yourself? Yeah. Are you doing everything you can to listen to Christ that they can spend eternity with you? No. You leave the Muslim, yeah, so they can die and spend eternity in hell, yeah? And you say you love your Muslim neighbor? What love is that to love people for hell? But the message of Jesus said, he, anyone, whoever does teach, does not teach or does teach, he shall be called the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. If you teach the truth of the Torah, if you teach the truth, the truth about what is written in the Old Testament, you are the greatest. What happens if you don't? You'll be the least. Jesus did not come to this world to say, let's talk about love. Let's talk about the, the romantic life which we have in the dream or, or in the brain of the liberals. Because they think if we love the Muslims, hold hand with the Muslims and sing my favorite song, Barney song. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. Everything will be great. No, you're going to keep holding their hands until they have the strength, until they have the upper hand. And that hand which you hold, it will keep kill you to take over everything you got. It's like having a poisonous snake and you feed the snake one rat here, one rat there, snake get bigger, a chicken here, a chicken there, uh, a snake get even bigger, a duck here and a duck there and a goose here and a goose there. Well, guess what? Someday you're going to run out of food and that, that snake will eat you. Another lie on page 230 in that textbook. And listen carefully. Sometime during the years 8 to 4 BC, a Jewish boy named Jesus was born in Bethlehem, a small town in ancient Palestine. Remember the lies we talked about in our first three lies last time I was here. But here we go. A Jewish boy. Can you imagine? Just use your imagination. It's not going to happen. Trust me. Trust me. A, an Arab boy named Muhammad was born in Mecca, Saudi Arabia. Can you just open a textbook, use imagination, and we're going to rise there, an Arab boy, which is true. Because when Muhammad was born, he was just a boy. He was not a prophet. He did not know that he would be a prophet until the age of 40. We're going to write fact about Muhammad, an Arab boy. Trust me, that textbook will be removed from our public schools on the spot. I think this is a problem with the church in America. They can insult our Lord and our Savior. When Jesus was born, he was not a boy. He was God Almighty who came in the flesh. Before he was conceived in his mother womb, the holy angels told Mary, that holy thing which will come on thee. Jesus was holy. He is God Almighty before he came in the flesh. But Muhammad was an Arab boy. And we cannot respect Jesus more than that in our textbooks. And where that boy was born? In Palestine. We talked about that in our study. Go back and watch my previous three lies. That it was not known to be Bethlehem until 150 after Christ. And so it was not known as a Palestine until 150 after Christ. By the way, these Palestinians has nothing to do once again with the Arab Palestinians who live today. They are the Creed people. The people of the North. Most likely European strong people have nothing to do with Arab who came to Israel 641 AD after Christ. Now, let's go to another lie on page 565. Listen carefully. Jesus, the founder of Christianity, was born in Palestine while it was under Roman rule. Same thing. If you tell a lie, keep repeating it. Our student for sure will believe it. Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, was a Palestinian. 
The Jewish people have no right to exist in that land. That's why we need to get rid of Trump, who's doing everything right for the Jewish people. Because he must be a racist, Islamophobic, hate monger. Because he did what he promised the American people, not like the previous six presidents, who said they're going to do what is right and what must we must do, but they never did it. Another lie, page 134. Jesus was essentially a rabbi or a teacher, and that offended by the perfunctory nature of mainstream Jewish religious practices in his time. He prescribed a return to the personal faith and spirituality of an earlier age. Jesus was offended by what he perceived as Jewish religious and political leaders, excessive concern with money and power. This is what I hear from the liberals and the Muslim in the street. And now we're putting in our children's head. Those greedy Jewish people. The one who's controlled the money of the whole world. We need to get rid of them so we can have justice. We're teaching the same lies in our public schools in America to our children. What is wrong with the picture? And believe me, I'm only giving you small synoptics here from what is written in our textbooks. If I'm going to open these 41 books where our children are learning, that seminar will take a few years to cover. Quick answer. Palestine did not exist when Jesus was born. The land was referred to as Judea. Says who? Says the Holy Scripture. In the prophecy of the Old Testament and in the fulfillment of the New Testament, which were written a good 600 years plus before Muhammad was a gleam in his father's eye. See, in the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, we read the following. But you, Bethlehem of Ratha, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Are you following what Micah is telling us here? This is nonsense unless you believe that Jesus Christ is God Almighty who came in the flesh. Or maybe Mr. Micah, that prophet, was heavy a little bit on his drinking and he did not realize what he's writing. We think in, in our song today, in 167, about Bethlehem. Why? Because the prophecy was given about Bethlehem. What prophecy? That God Almighty is coming in the flesh in Bethlehem. That ruler who will rule over Israel forever. Look at this. Whose going forth is are from of old, from everlasting. He have no beginning. What kind of man, Brother Charles, who comes to this world, who have no beginning and he have no end? Uh, we call him God Almighty. So Jesus is not just a prophet. He's not just a man. He's not a good teacher. But he's God Almighty. He came in the flesh. Says who? Said prophet Micah. 500 years before Christ. Came in the flesh. He never saw it. And if you ask Micah, what are you talking about? You say, I don't know. The Holy Spirit asked me to write it down. I write it down. When it comes, we will find out. That is the beauty of the prophecies of the Old Testament. How about what is written in Matthew 2.1? The scripture said, and by the way, this was written 40-some uh, years after Christ. Matthew was not written by Matthew during Jesus' days, 20-some years later. So 50-some years, 54, 55, I don't know, I can't remember the dates they gave to us in seminary, but 20-some years after all took place. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, 
Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Bethlehem of Judea, not Bethlehem of Palestine. You know why? Because, at, once again, until 150 AD, nobody ever knew that that piece of land is called Palestine. As it was named by the Romans. Another lie in our textbooks here was uh, Mr. Thompson, 2004, on page 142. We read, It was in the midst of the confusion and conflict in Judea that Jesus of Nazareth, 6 BCE, 229 CE, began his public preaching. Jesus, a Palestinian Jew, grew up in Galilee, an important center of the militant zealots. You see, you see the evolving put a Palestine, as we talked about it in the past, between soft bracket and take it from the soft bracket and put it between dashes and then to remove the dashes. Now we know that our Jesus was a Palestinian. I will not be surprised because Muslims also believe in the near future, trust me, a good 10, 20, 30 years from now, they'll be, they'll be writing that Jesus was a Muslim Palestinian because all Muslims believe that Jesus was a Muslim. He believed in Muhammad. He prayed the Muslim prayer. And when he comes back in the end of time, Jesus will break the cross, meaning will destroy Christianity, and he will kill the pigs, which means he will get rid of the Jews. That is the true Muslim Jesus for the Muslim believers. So don't get shocked 20 years from now, if some of you still here, to read in your own children's textbooks, Jesus is a Muslim Palestinian prophet. And they say it today, and they said, well, the word Muslim here actually means he submit to Allah. He surrendered to Allah. No, he believed in Muhammad. He worshipped as Muslim worship, praying the Muslim prayer, as we read in the interpretation of Quran, chapter 17, verse 1. In the propaganda lie spread by Muhammad, that he was taken from his home to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, he prays a Muslim prayer towards Mecca, and all the prophets stood behind him, and they all worshipped the Muslim prayer, including Moses and Abraham and Jesus. A few loyal followers of Jesus spread the story that Jesus had overcome death and then ascended into heaven. Brother Charlie, what is a few in English? When I say few, what we're we talking about? 500 is a few? I'd say four or five. Four or five people, huh? Can you imagine our Christianity spread because four or five people spread this things according to their belief, as we saw earlier, a lie! Christianity is a lie spread by four or five. Six is more than few. I know for sure. Okay. Can you imagine that? And we wonder why our children, when they get to the end of high school and get to college, they leave Christianity. They leave the Bible. They leave all the things which we need them to, to know and to believe. Because our textbooks is written by wonderful liberals who hate Jesus Christ, who hate the Bible, who hate Christianity, who hate the Ten Commandments, who hate life, who love drugs, an open border, and everything they can to destroy America. That's exactly what they want. A few followers of Jesus spread the story. What is story? Far, far away. <laughs> in a far land down there. You know? Are we there yet? Nope. Are we there yet? Nope. Are we there yet? They, they get tired of that donkey and the Shrek movie because it's just a story. He want to go to the far, far land. Can't you understand it? It's just a story. Christianity is just a story spread by four or five people. 
That's easy answer. Jesus was referred to as a Palestinian Jew, but the name Palestine was not even in use until 150 years after Jesus died. I challenge any theologian, liberal theologians, of course, or any Muslim Allahogian, those who believe in the, the, the teaching of Allah, to show me any document written about the name of that land to be Palestine on the year 149 after Christ. As I always say, I was born October 23, 1969. Before October 23, 22, I was not here. I never existed. Even though I was inside my mother's womb. And at that time, they did not know if I'm going to be a boy or a girl. But after that date, they named me Usama. And that is my name. Before 150 AD, there was no Palestinian because there was no Palestine because nobody named it that name. Show me one document here. In the year 149, another person said it was Palestine. Show me one. As a matter of fact, we have the document which said on that year, the Romans named it Palestine. Israel is the ancient and historic land of the Jews, while Palestine was not so named until 150 AD. The passage is dismissive of the Gospels and the rapid spread of Christianity. <laughs> five people, I mean, what, you can't help but when five people spread a lie in a story, that's what it is. There were thousands of followers who witnessed and shared the gospel of Jesus' life, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, not a few. And I'm not going to prove this to you from what is written in the New Testament, but actually what is written in the Old Testament, the scripture, the prophecies, which were written hundreds, but even over a thousand years by those who wrote Isaiah and David. And then we're going to see John and First Corinthians. Obviously, as I said, we can go on that study for a longer time, but I made it short and sweet because I love you and I don't want you to sit here for a few hours. So we make it short and sweet. Here we go. Let's see what Isaiah wrote a good 700 years before Christ come in the flesh. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. What are we talking about here? We're talking about the suffering Messiah who came and fulfilled all that as we're going to see in the book of John. And that passage still in the Bible, in the book of Isaiah 53, and Jewish believers can go back to the scripture and read it. They're waiting for a militar, militant Messiah. The one who fights a battle for them and gets rid of the Roman and have victory over the land. But that's not what Jesus came to do. He came to suffer. He came to be wounded, to be bruised. To be chastised by God the Father for our sins. Isaiah 53, 9. And they made his grave with the wicked, but the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Can you imagine with me? If when the time come for Jesus to die, that they will kill him by himself. And when he got parried, since he was a poor guy, he just buried any symbol to him. Somebody, you know, give him a small grave, dig a hole in some rock and put Jesus in it. If that was what took place, that means the prophecies of the Bible was not true. Mm -hmm. That means that Jesus we're believing in is not the real Jesus. You have to understand that Isaiah wrote that 700 years before Christ came in the flesh, and he did not know what he's talking about. To the point even when he sees that Jewish wonderful worshiper who came all the way from the country of Ethiopia and, and, and he met with Philip and he was reading the same passage, Isaiah 53. We read about that in the book of Acts. And he was reading. And the Holy Spirit asked Philip to follow the chariot. Say, run with it, okay? The guy's sitting in the chariot, he's reading, and Philip is running next to him and say, hey, do you understand what you're reading? He said, I can understand. Well, come on up. 
and then he shares the gospel with him. From what? From that passage, Isaiah 53. Of whom the prophet is talking? Is he talking about himself or somebody else? No, he's talking about Yeshua, Yeshua the Savior, and how all this has been fulfilled literally 700 years in the life of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's go to David, who talk about the crucifixion uh, to uh, what took place in his life a good 1,000 years before Christ. Hear what Prophet David wrote. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Ladies and gentlemen, talking about the piercing of the hand of the feet is not to have some uh, jewelry or some stuff in it. You see, I see today as I travel over this country, boys and girls have weird places to have pierced in their faces, in their noses, their eyes, in their tongue, in their belly, name it. There's no place in the body now. You don't have, not just small holes, big holes. You can actually read a book through his ear. <laughs> but here, Prophet David is telling us about the pierce of the hand and the feet of our Lord. And how much does David know about that? Nothing. As a matter of fact, in my radio broadcast last night, we talk about when the Jewish people in the book of John chapter 19, they went to Pilate said, we want them to be killed. He examined him. There's nothing wrong with him. I don't see any sin in him. You take him and kill him. I don't want to kill an innocent man. Oh, we can't kill him. Why? Because the laws has been changed. Believe it or not, we have to go to Genesis 49 to see that prophecy given by Jacob. As he sat on his bed in his last moment to give his advice or his prophecy to his children. And he names them one by one. And he gives them the future of how is he going to be. And when he came to Judas, he said that wonderful, wonderful, wonderful prophecy. That you will be in power. You're going to be controlling your own country. At the time of Shiloh to come. When God come. When Christ come. And by the way, when, he's time, when it's time for Jesus to die, you'll have no power. Because only when he was born. Because have the Jewish people had the authority to kill their criminals at the time of the death of our Lord and our Savior, he must be stoned to death. Why? Because he commits the sin of blaspheming. He called himself God. Read this in John chapter 19. As they were complaining to Pilate. He claimed to be the son of God. What is the punishment of somebody to claim to be the son of God in Jesus' days? It is, the normal thing is to be stoned to death. But was Jesus stoned to death? Guess what? They will crush his bones. That means his bones will be broken. And if the, if the Jesus bone is broken, that means the prophecy was not fulfilled because the scripture said no broken bones. So he must die some other way. That's why the Jewish people lost the power of, of executing, killing their own people. And somebody is going to do it for them. And who are those? But the Romans. How the Romans killed the criminals in Jesus' days? By crucifixion. To do what? To pierce his hands and his feet. This is what is written by Prophet David. 1,000 years before Christ comes in the flesh. A good 600 years before the invention of crucifixion. Imagine with me if I tell you about... Somebody will commit a crime in the near future or in the future. And I'm going to tell you, they will, uh, these people will be robbers. They will actually rob a bank. And they will take their pictures uh, by the cameras. And the, the jury will find them guilty. And they will excuse them. They will kill them by the electric chair. And this is written four, five hundred years ago. Now let's ask a question. What is a bank? What is a camera? What is an electric chair? 
I know wood chair, but I don't know electric chair. Is this some kind of different material you make chair from? Of course, the prophecy which was written here by Prophet David a thousand years before Christ comes in the flesh did not make any sense, neither to David nor his followers, until the crucifixion was invented. Jesus died, not because we Christians believe in it, but because the prophecy was written about it for even a thousand years before Christ came in the flesh. How about Psalm 16, 9 to 10? Therefore, my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in shield, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. What is he talking about here? We're talking about the resurrection of our Lord. That is what we celebrate today, 3,000 years later after that which is written. Jesus cannot be uh, in his death like each and every one of us. We all die. We're going to turn from dust to dust. But Jesus did not come from dust to return to dust. He came from his glory to return to his glory with full glorified body. The resurrection of our Lord and our Savior was prophesied by David here 1,000 years before Christ came in the flesh. Let's see the fulfillment of these prophecies. And by the way, as I said, there are plenty of prophecies. There are over 300 prophecies about our Lord. If you get my copy of the Quran, the generous Quran, the only accurate English translation of the Quran, in the back of it, we have a good 67 uh, or 65 prophecies. I just picked up 65 out of 300. And you can go online and do some reading and, and study the scripture to know about the prophecies and the fulfillment of the life of our Lord. Then he delivered him to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the center. Why does this have to be there? Because that is the fulfillment of what is written in Isaiah 53. He cannot die alone. He cannot go with another guy. He has to die at least between two guys or more because of plural in the Hebrew or the Greek language. That's how what, that's exactly what happened. Jesus was not crucified alone, but on the right hand, on the left hand were two other wicked people to fulfill the prophecies of Isaiah. John 20, 19 to 20, we read. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Here's the resurrection. And I'm amazed how Allah in the Quran is telling us that Jesus did not die, as we're going to read in a minute here, or crucified, but it was made to appear to them. Why? Because somebody else died instead of Jesus. Well, that's the question. Here we see a risen Lord who has, has a mark in his hand and his feet and his side as he showed it to his disciples. And the disciples were rejoicing, were glad to see the risen Lord. Which Lord is that? The real Jesus or the fake Jesus which Allah put on the cross? If it's a fake Jesus, why can't he do it to the real Jesus? If it is a real Jesus, so why we need a fake Jesus? We're going to look at this passage in Quran 4, 157, 158 in a minute. Now, John 20, 
26-28. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. You see what happened? Jesus answered and said to him, My Lord and, and my God. God. You see what happened in the previous passage? Thomas was not there. All the disciples were there. They were inside the room. The doors were locked. They were living in fear. It's been three days. And Jesus showed himself to all of them, except Thomas. Thomas was not there. And we can make so much spe speculation about Thomas and how he was not strong in his face and how he doubted, how, why he did not believe it. Well, guess what? This is you and I. We're all Thomas. Because believe it or not, they told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. Yeah, <laughs> you have seen him. I didn't. Well, but you understand, Thomas, we talked with him. Yeah, yeah, you talked to him, but I didn't. You, we, we ate with him. We touched him. We, because, you know, Thomas, we thought he's a ghost. And, and if he's a ghost, we said, well, and he figured out that we're thinking that he's a ghost. So he said, do you have anything to eat? And we got the fresh, and we got the bread, and we got the honey, and we ate. We know for sure, yeah, you did experience all that. I didn't. It is logical for us to doubt the, the resurrection of our Lord because we have not experienced what the disciples experienced. But then the Lord, for his love for, for Thomas, guess what he did? Eight days later, Thomas is in the upper room, and all the disciples are there, and Jesus once again appeared to Thomas. And to prove that Jesus is not just a prophet, is a good teacher, he said, Thomas, yep, reach out your finger here and look at my hands. And reach out your hand here and put it into my side. Why are Jesus saying that? Because that's what Thomas said. Unless I put my finger at the mark of his hand and I put my hand at the open side because the, the, the disciples told them. We touch it, we put our finger, we put our hand. Yeah, we saw everything. He said, unless I do that. So Jesus, God Almighty, who can read what is happening eight days ago and when he was not there physically, he wants to bring Thomas to realization that he is the risen Lord. And Thomas said, well, let me try it. Let me put my finger. Let me... No, 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 no. Thomas said, well, my Lord and my God. I love how Jehovah's Witness takes that powerful sentence and make it like a surprise. You know, when you see something, oh, my God, Brother Charlie, you're really here. Oh, my Lord, you're here, man. That's awesome to see. No, that's not what Thomas was doing. He was not shocked or surprised. He worshipped the risen Lord, my Lord and my God. You cannot twist the scripture to make it what you wish because we're going to see other evidence in the scripture to prove that Jesus accepted the worship of his disciples and hundreds even more. Remember earlier, we talked about a few. A few people, according to the scholar, Brother Charlie, four or five. If you find anybody come up with a different number, please let me know because I believe that is the accurate number, four or five. Actually, I can go three or four, then five. But here is what the scripture said about how many people really believed in that story of Jesus and why they believed in that story. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Who is that? The five people who tell the story? No, we're talking about a living experience. 
Jesus was seen by 500 men. These 500 men did not read a book written by Matthew or Mark or Luke and John. They lived that experience. They really worshipped Jesus. They have a big church service and there were no women or children, only men. No, that's not how the scripture is written. Throughout the scripture, we don't count women. We don't count children, which is 20 and under. How do you count the Bible? Go through the scripture. Read any theologian, Jewish and Christian, who will tell you they only count men. What is men? 20 years and older. So let's do some math here. I like numbers and I love math. So we're talking about 500 men, 20 and older. These are married men. And in Jesus' days, he did not know how to have any way to, to stop having babies. They're not all 19, uh, 20 and 21. Some of them are actually 40 and 50. Which means some of them have a good 10, 15 children. Think with me, 500 men, 500 wives, that's a thousand. Each family, we're going to be very conservative, only have six or seven children. We're going to be very conservative here. We're talking about three, four thousand people in a church service. Imagine with me, that little boy who want to see Jesus in a crowd of 3,000 or so, and say, Mommy, Mommy, put me on your shoulder. Please, Mommy, put me up there. Put me up there. I want to see him. So his mama, put him on his shoulder, or daddy, put him on the shoulder. And I said, oh, can you see him, son? Can you see him? Yeah, I see him down there. And Jesus, who loved children, and now he's learned a good lesson. You don't take children away. He say, come here, Johnny boy. Come here. I, I said, yeah, your, your mama carry you. Come here. I want to talk to you. And just use your imagination. That's not in the scripture, okay? Come here, I want to show you something. Sit here. So Jesus sat on the floor, and on his lap, he has this little Johnny boy. Ah, oh, good, five, six years old. You know, just a kid. He say, Johnny, I'm going to cover my eye, and you make numbers with your fingers. I'm going to tell you how many you got. And Jesus go like this. And Johnny say, uh-uh, you can see me through the hole. I see your eyes is open. Yeah, are you following me to talk to children? There are at least 3,000 people saw the risen Lord. They know about Jesus Christ as the risen Lord, not because they read a story in the Bible or somebody tells them a story, because they lived the resurrected Lord. They know for sure He is risen from the dead. They touched Him. They ate with Him. That's why Jesus said, you are my witnesses. Not the witness of Islam to say a false jihadah, but true witnesses. Because they know that Jesus rose from the dead. How many of them? 500? No, 3,000. Because you, you, you cannot have a meeting in Jesus' days without, as a matter of fact, we'll read the scripture before the resurrection, before the death. Jesus had lots of women traveling with him. We, we named them in the past, and you can read about them in the scripture. There's, there's women involved in ministry. There's women in the church meetings. And they, these hundreds or thousands, worshipped the risen Lord. And they believed it. As those are the people who died physically as they continued to, to fulfill the Great Commission. As they literally escaped for their life from Jerusalem to everywhere else. Some people ran to Egypt. Some ran to Ethiopia. Some ran to Syria. Some ran to the country of Lebanon and up to Iran. And everywhere else they can go. And they took that good news. The message of Christianity. Jesus came in the flesh. He died and he rose again. And those people spread the truth without a written book 
of the New Testament. Later, they receive these letters. Later, they receive the written gospel by Matthew and Mark, Luke, and John. And that is the true message of Christianity. It's not few spread the story, but few lived the experience of meeting and worshiping the risen Lord, and they took that message to the rest of the world. Now, I want to talk to you about the next slide here, we'll do our best to cover it in the, whatever time we have here. Jesus was not merely a teacher. He declared himself to be the son of God and sent by God to free mankind from their sins. When you read the textbooks in our public schools about Jesus, you'll find it is just a made up stuff and it's just a story. And Jesus cannot be but a great teacher, a great teacher. And even if you investigate the claim of Jesus as a teacher, by quoting the scripture, you find that he cannot be a teacher, or a good teacher, and a big fat liar. Jesus taught that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. Is that what the writer of our textbooks believe about that teacher? You see, because they're not quoting the scripture, they can make up whatever they want. They don't quote the scripture and they tell you Jesus is a good teacher. Now, teach me something about the teaching of Jesus. Now I know that he's not just a good teacher, but he is God Almighty who died on the cross and rose from the dead. Because that teacher said the Son of Man will be given to the Gentiles. He will be handled to the Gentiles. And they will respect him so much. No, they will mock him. They will beat him. They will spit on his face. They will hit him in his face. And they will crucify him. And he will die. And he will be buried. And he will rise again on the third day. That is his teachings. You cannot have a Jesus as a good teacher without talking about his teaching. But that's not the purpose of these sentences written in our textbooks. The sentence is to remove his identity from God Almighty who came in the flesh to just a good teacher. He's a good man. He's a good prophet. But not the Son of God who died and rose again. Now I want to show you from the scripture, once again, Old Testament, Isaiah, 700 years before Christ, who is Jesus? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who is this talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Who is speaking here? It's not Isaiah. That's God Almighty. Unto us. Jesus is Almighty God. I love it how Muslims always say, show me one verse, just one verse in the Bible. Jesus said, I am the son of God. Or God said, Jesus is my son. Okay. And I quote a few verses here and there and here and there, everywhere we go in the Bible. Well, the Bible is corrupted. <laughs> Why did you ask me to show you from the Bible that Jesus is the son of God? Or God said, Jesus is my son. Or Jesus is God Almighty, as we read here. If you don't believe in the Bible to be perfect word of God, even though. The Quran assured us that the, per the Bible is a perfect word of God. Get my video. Has the Bible been corrupted? Where I knew I used nothing but the Quran to prove that the Bible is a perfect word of God. Cannot be changed. It will never change even until Christ come back again. So Isaiah is telling us that he is almighty God. Mark 1.1. 1, 1. <laughs> why, why we put that verse? Because you know what Muslims say? They say, we don't like the book of John. Why you don't like the book of John? Son of God, son of God, son of God. They inserted that son of God all over. They corrupted the book of John. But we like the book of Mark. I said, are you sure? How about Mark 1.1? 1, 1? Since they like the book of Mark, let's start with verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. Oh, even Mark is corrupted too. 
Because here, chapter 1, verse 1, he is the son of God. Luke 1, 31, 33. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Jesus is the son of the highest. Ask any Jew, who is the highest? God Almighty, Yahweh. Jehovah. He is the son of God. This is before even Mary got pregnant by the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. She was, she was just a normal young virgin girl. And then he says that his, he will rule a reign over the house of Jacob for the next 20 years or maybe the next 50 years. No, forever. That's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. That's God Almighty who reigns forever. And how long is this going to last? It has no end. Forever. Luke 1, 34, 35. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Show me Trinity in the Bible. Oh yeah? Here you go. God the Father, the highest, the Holy Spirit, and the Son of God. That is our Trinity. Of course, Muhammad did not know what Christian believed, and he rejected the false Trinity. Oh, Isa, son of Mary, 5, 1, 16, did you tell the people to worship you and your mother as God beside me? <laughs> God the Father, God the Mother, and God the Son. That's not our Trinity. That's not what we Christian believe. Muhammad got it wrong. And Muslim, for the last 14 years, follows the wrong of the teaching of Muhammad. We worship Mary and worship God the Father and worship Jesus' Son. No. We worship the one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Not because we invented it, but because the scripture said so. Old Testament and New Testament. We believe in what is written. I have never received any email or text message or a call from Jesus Christ to tell me who he is. But he told me who he is in his book. <laughs> Old Testament and New Testament. He is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Luke 3.22. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Here we go. The voice from heaven, the Father speak from above. The Holy Spirit is up on the shoulder of Jesus, and Jesus himself in the water. That is our truth. Jesus is not just a teacher. Jesus is not just a good man or a good prophet. He is God Almighty who came in the flesh. That is what we ought to teach our children in our public schools. Not to force them to believe in it, but teach them the truth about who Jesus is. It's up to them to believe or not. I could not force my son to become a Christian like me. Neither will you. But why we allow the liberals and the atheists and the Muslims to teach our children about Jesus? He's just a teacher and we don't tell the truth. Why we lie to our children in our public schools with our tax money? And how long we're going to be quiet and how long we'll be silent? When the church will rise up to say, excuse me, you can teach whatever you want to teach about mass and science, even though half of that, that which they teach is lies in the evolution propaganda. But when it comes to Jesus, I will teach my children about Jesus or else. You know what else? 
Maybe we need to stop supporting our public schools and these thousands and millions of dollars take out of our tax money can be spread in our private school to teach our children the true teaching about who Jesus is and everything else goes with it. But this cannot happen unless the church in America wake up. We are literally going in a deep a coma where soon they will take your children from good for you and you can do nothing about it. He did not advocate a return to the good old days since scripture tells us of many wicked things done by men throughout history. This is what they're trying to teach our children. Obviously, that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus' death and resurrection was foretold by the prophets and Jesus himself. As we read what is written in the scripture, Old Testament, and as it was fulfilled in the gospel of the New Testament. Jesus was angry with the Pharisees for hypocrisy and false teaching, not an obsession with money. Of course, as I told you, they are greedy. The Jewish people are greedy. Money, 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 money. They control money. No, they were hypocrites. And you can read this throughout the scripture. They believe in fulfilling the small, tiny bits and pieces of the law, but they leave what is written about Jesus in the law, which is the most important part about everything about the law. Galatians 1, 6, 9 is a very powerful verse. And I believe that's exactly what we're doing today in our public schools and in our political arena and everywhere we do in America, in the media, the newspaper, every radio station, we're bringing a, a new gospel. We're making a new Christianity. Why? I do not know. Because simply, <coughs> I believe the church is going in a coma, <coughs> excuse me, and the liberals are taking over our place of teachings. Here's what the scripture said. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ, to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. This is not an easy passage written by the Apostle Paul to the Galatians. I believe this is written by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows what the devil will continue to do. The devil does not want any of us to believe in that risen Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe in a teacher, a good man, or some prophet. And if you remove the identity of who Jesus is, you lose Christianity, you lose your salvation. We're allowing students today, our children, to be educated by false teachers who are bringing new gospel, new Christianity, and we do not even know about it. I wonder how many churches today, all over America, who are celebrating the resurrected Lord, knows about what kind of teacher Jesus is. As our children learn about him in our public schools, what kind of man he is, what kind of prophet he is. Is Christianity true in our textbooks today or we are bringing new gospel, new Christianity to deceive our future, our children, our grandchildren. The number of those who attend the church today is less than those who attend church the last 30 years for the same meeting, the resurrection of our Lord. To celebrate that, today we have less people. You know why? Because 50 years from now, our church will be empty. There is no believers at all. And don't worry, we're going to have a place. We're going to use these buildings as we have seen it all over Europe. We're going to make the mosques. 
We're going to make some malls. We actually turn them to bedroom and breakfast. Don't worry about your churches because it's no longer a church today. Church is not a building. Church is a body of believers. It is a five, three or four thousand people who met with Jesus before he was ascended to heaven. That is a church. They did not meet in a building. They met out in the air on the beach somewhere. And now we're teaching our children a new gospel, a new teaching about Jesus. And we're not cursing ourselves, but we're actually cursing our children too. Why we allow this to happen in America? I don't know. Hear what the Paul says. As we have said before, that is in verse 8, not far away, in case people forgot what Paul said in verse 8. So now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have received, let him be accursed. Accursed is every public school teacher in America. And of course, if every parents and every home base in America who support the public school teachers to teach that Jesus is not the Son of God who died on the cross for our sins, and he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. That is the message of the gospel. That is the truth about Christianity. Accursed is Muhammad, the self-proclaimed prophet of Islam. Who wrote to us in the Quran the following verse. And they're saying, Surely we killed the Christ Jesus, son of Mary, the messenger of Allah. And they did not kill him, and they did not crucify him, but it was made to appear to them. And surely those who disagree about him are in doubt of him. They do not have any knowledge of him except following the conjecture. And they did not kill him for certain. Yet Allah raised him up to himself. And Allah was dear, wise. And they're saying, who are there? The Jew. And the Jewish saying, surely we killed the, uh, we killed the Christ Isa, son of Mary. Excuse me, excuse me. This is all hogwash. That's what we call BS. Why? Because there is not one Jewish ever said that they killed the Christ. Show me in the history writing, Brother Charlie, in any book or any material, that the Jews bragging about killing Jesus. As a matter of fact, they never believe he came yet. They're still waiting for Jesus to come. And the Jewish saying, we killed the Christ, Isa, son of Mary, the messenger of Allah. Really? The Jewish people use the word Allah? How many Jewish use the word Allah? Because they never know Allah. They know Elohim. They know Yahweh. But they know, know, know nothing about Allah. This is propaganda. The lies is in the text. And if they know that Isa is a messenger of Allah, why would they kill him? They've been waiting for years for the Christ Isa, son of Allah, to come, or son of Mary to come, and here he is. And they killed him. So historically, from the history, from the writing of the Jewish, those who believe in the Bible, those who did not believe in the Old Testament, not one ever said, we killed Christ. Muhammad is made up. Not in Muhammad days, not in the 600 years before Muhammad days, not ever. No Jew ever said, we killed Isa. 
No, this never happened. And no Jew ever believed Isa is a messenger of Allah because if they know that Isa is a messenger of Allah, they would never have killed him. Let's continue with the passage. And they're saying, surely we killed the Christ, Isa, son of Mary, the messenger of Allah, and they did not kill him, and they did not crucify him. What a weird order. Because normally, you crucify the people, and then they get killed. You don't kill a guy by hitting him with a piece of wood over his head, and then you put him on a cross. No, you crucify him while he's still alive, and make him suffer, and slowly he dies. That's not the story in the Quran. Muhammad got the wrong order because Allah gave it to him in wrong order and then he said but it was made to appear to them end of story <laughs> it was made to appear to them how much information do we have here anything it was made to appear to them because of what and boy oh boy when you read the interpretation of Muslim scholar to that phrase and it was made to appear to them you literally get lost let me give you just one or two of these interpretations. Because I believe interpretation could not be anything out of the text. But the text did not say anything, so I can tell you whatever I want, and you have to believe my story to be true. But here's one. Isa, son of Mary, have a meeting with his 19 disciples. Uh, excuse me, time out. What, what, what? 19 disciples. Says who? Says the great Muslim scholars. 19? How many disciples did Jesus have? 12. Where's the other seven come from? They're extra, you know. We like to bargain in the Muslim world. 719, what different? I mean, just add the number. Who cares? 19. And while they are meeting, where? We do not know. When? We do not know. How? We do not know. Just take my word for it. The Jewish people came to take Jesus to crucify him. So they knock at the door. Open the door. Open the door. And they open the door. Got oh, and guess what? Allah, the best deceiver. That's not my word. That's what's written in the Quran. They deceive, and Allah deceive, and Allah is the best deceiver. Allah turned all these 19 disciples of Jesus to Jesus's. So now the Jewish people enter the room, and there are 20 Jesus in the room. Same height, same voice, same mustache, same 20 Jesus. Alike, perfect match, clones. Now, which one of you is real Jesus? Is it you? You, you, you're not afraid. No, 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 I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not gonna. Well, if you're not going to tell us which one of you is the real Jesus, we're going to crucify all of you. Okay, okay, okay. Let's talk about it. The Pharisees went outside. The, the high priest and all of this, the soldiers went outside. And now the real Jesus is talking to those other 19 Jesuses now. Okay, we got 20 Jesus in the meeting. Remember? Which one of you would like to have a better place in heaven? Jesus asked. Excuse me, a better place in heaven? I did not know there's front view, Brother Charlie, and the back there's some other view, first class and second, five star, four star. There's, there's different opinions here by Muslims. What does uh, uh, Jesus meant by a, a better place in heaven? Because in heaven, there's only one place which is the best place. So one of the disciples, the younger one, raised his hand and said, uh, Me, Lord, I, I, pick me, pick me, pick me. I, 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 I want to be that one. Remember the donkey in Shrek? Pick me, pick me. I'm just, eh, you're too young. Uh, anybody else? John? In the back. Peter, Peter. Thomas? A anybody else? Pick me, pick me, me, me. I, I, I want to do it. No, 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 no. You're too young. No. Uh, James? Come on, John. Somebody else? 
Pick me, me, me. I, I, I want to take your place. And then Allah told Isa, that's him. He's the one who will take your place. And sin, all of them turned to be no Jesus, back to what used to be, except that little one who became, stay like Jesus, same height. Jesus himself escaped from the window up to the sky. A miracle. Huh? Jesus came to this world, as we start our study today, with a virgin birth, it's a miracle. And he lived 180, 200 pounds against the gravity of the earth to the sky from the window as a miracle. And the Jewish people captured that false Jesus because Allah is the best deceiver. He deceived all the Jewish people and deceived the millions and millions of those who believe in Jesus Christ that he died on the cross and rose from the dead because it was not Jesus. It was made to appear to them because they picked the wrong guy. It was not the real Jesus. It was a counterfeit Jesus. And I can go on with the next story. It was actually Judas, the scholars, the Muslim of Islam said. Judas betrayed Jesus and he asked for money and they gave him 30 pieces of silver. Can, can you show me here 30 pieces of silver? Can you say, show me Judas anywhere here? No, they are quoting the Bible. But he told them, we're going to go in the evening in the garden and I'm going to go in and I'm bringing him out for you and you capture him and you go ahead and kill him. And he did. He went there in the evening and the disciples and Jesus was already left. So now Judas is coming out of the garden to tell them, well, they're not here. We maybe have to go to plan B or plan C. We're going to search. But why he's doing that? Judas is coming from the garden outside to meet with the Pharisees and the soldiers and the high priest. Allah cursed him, made him look exactly like Jesus. So he said, well, ladies and gentlemen, or gentlemen and uh, soldiers, are, oh, oh, they catch you. What are you doing? Uh, well, yeah, we, we got you, Jesus. We're going to kill you. I'm not Jesus. I'm Judas. Yeah, you're right. You're not Jesus. We know how you look like. We know how you talk like. You, you are Jesus. He's screaming, please don't kill me. It's not me. It's not me. And they killed the wrong guy. Because Allah, the best deceiver, deceives him. They try to kill Jesus. And Allah deceives him, gives him the wrong. It was made to appear to them. And surely those who disagree about him are in doubt of him. They do not have any knowledge of him except following the conjectures. They just guess it in their head. Is that what we read in the scripture? I'm talking about Old Testament prophecies. Is that what we read in the gospel, the New Testament fulfillment? They did not. Read, read John 19 and 20. The three trial. The first one before Qiyafah. The second one before Pilate, even Herod have a saying to say with it. And then Pilate gave him the order, what he wish, the crucifixion of our Lord. None of these. He cried, it's not me. How about the risen Lord as we read in Galatians? Once again, if this is true, somebody else died instead of Jesus. And that's one looked like Jesus. Why Allah raised him from the dead? Why he met with these thousands of people who worshipped him? Why Thomas sees the hands and the feet and the sides open? All the scripture was written. Why the prophecy was given by Prophet David that his body will not see corruption? I mean, guys, we're talking about huge evidence of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord. You cannot tell me all oh, this just by accident was all wrong. And who is giving us that message? Who's given us these propaganda lies here? A man by the name Muhammad. 
And I always ask my Muslim friends, you know why Muslims leave Islam in the world today? It's for two reasons. Number one, they study the Quran. Number two, they learn the truth about Muhammad. Perfect symbol. You show me a Muslim who will study the Quran by investigating the Quran, not read it and, and kiss every page as he read every line as he read because he thinks he get blessing from reading something they don't even know what it is. Just two nights ago, I'm talking to a lady from some foreign country like Pakistan, and she is man oh man, she have a radio in her mouth. Speak loud and speak fast. And believe it or not, I speak a lot faster than her. And I was so patient to listen. I said, sister, you don't even know the Quran. No, I read the Quran in the classic Arabic years ago. I said, sure, sure. And how much did you understand from it? And she was quiet. I said, how about nothing? Why did I say that? Because I spoke to her in the Arabic language and she did not have a clue what I'm saying. If you don't understand my simple Arabic, there is no way you can understand the classic Arabic of the Quran. This propaganda is spread by a child molester, a pedophile, a sex offender, a womanizer, an adulterer, a thief, a thug, a terrorist, an evil, wicked man whom you, the American, made a prophet. To your children in your public schools, when you allowed your textbooks to say Prophet Muhammad and your media, even Fox News, to say Prophet Muhammad and your president to say Prophet Muhammad, you are destroying your country with your ignorance and your stupidity. You need to know Muhammad so you know what he's teaching is true or lies. What kind of child molester come to this world 600 years after the fulfillment of all that which was written about Jesus to tell me that he's telling the truth? A pedophile. That young lady told me yesterday, I talked to her two days ago, she said, well, do you know how many prophets in the Bible marry little children? I said, yeah, I know. There were none. Zero. It was normal in Muhammad days for men to marry little children. I said, so it was normal in Lot day for men to have sex with men. That give Lot the privilege to sleep with some men to make everybody happy? No. Even if it was normal, by the way, that's a lie. Even if it was normal for men to have sexual relationship with little girls in Muhammad days, that does not give Muhammad the perfect prophet of Allah, the final, to be a pedophilia. We need to expose these lies in our textbooks, especially when it comes from a child molester like Muhammad. Jesus is Lord. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, as it is written in the scripture, Old Testament, and he rose from the dead in the third day, as it is written by his Old Testament prophecy, and as it is written in the truth of the gospel. Do you know Christ as Lord and Savior? All these facts about Jesus are wonderful, but unless you believe it in your heart, it will mean nothing. And when you die, trust me, I know this for a fact, unless you are perfect. I'm not perfect. If you are perfect, you don't have to worry about what I'm saying here. If you are not perfect, if you have one sin in your life and you die without knowing Christ as Lord and Savior, died on the cross for your sins, rose from the dead for your sins, if you do not believe in that, when you die, and we're all going to die, you're going to spend eternity in hell with Muhammad. And when you see him, tell him Yusama said hello. <laughs> Let's pray. And Father God, we give thanks to you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. You loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for that day, today we celebrate your resurrection. 
Because have you not rose from the dead, all the gospel and all the message of Christianity will be worthless, will have no value. But we give thanks to you, not, not only for being obedient to the Father, to don the cross for our sins, but because you rose again. And because you rose again, our sin is forgiven. For you have victory over sin by the death of the cross and over death by the resurrection. Oh, Father God, we pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to guide us in this country. We pray for Mr. Trump and all those who are under him, that you may take that man to turn this country around, and that we, the Christian, will wake up and we have a revival to speak the truth in love and in boldness and remove these lies from our textbooks. It is only the church and the church only who can do that. We love you and we praise you. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.